This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Not Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith. Joining me this week are James Bird and Natalie Bromley to talk about, guess what? Another away defeat. Um, we're going to keep it as lively as possible tonight. All sorts of technical woes going on. I'm recording through my phone. Never done this before. Also spent the weekend on a to doing Hamburg, so I'm not... Full capacity, fair to say. So apologies in advance for what could not be the best podcast we've ever done. Um, so to kick things off, we talked about Everton games like this being a bit of a freebie. Um, and I suppose they were just better than us in the end. But again, frustrating that we got in a position to get a result and ended up with nothing. Yeah, it is a little bit. I think um, most of us were hugely encouraged by the first half performance. I think everybody um, agrees that Burnley were the, the better better side in the first half. We seemed to um, be much more attacking than we have been, certainly away from home in recent games. We decided to take the game to Everton and really go for it. And, you know, I'm assuming on the, the um, reasoning that we've got nothing to lose. Um, we didn't really um, put that better performance to good use though in that we did obviously uh, manage to go 1-0 behind and, and then obviously down, down to 1-1 so we didn't really take advantage of it but we've seen that a lot this season um, I think for me that the the issue is that it doesn't really matter how positive we seem to play it doesn't matter how um, encouraging we are how encouraged we are sorry with some good spells, especially away from home. We are so lacking the ruthless edge up front that, to be honest, it doesn't really surprise me that we are losing some of those key games. Um, you know, I was sceptical when the, the team sheet was announced and we had Vokes and Barnes up front again saying that it, it seemed to work relatively well in that, that first half. But, um, you know, the stats are telling us for all of the good first half performance, we had one shot on target through the entire game again. And that just, that is not enough. I mean, considering that in this league... It's a familiar story, isn't it? I mean, we keep talking about being competitive and being in games, but not creating any chances, so not going to score goals. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's not just the front two. I mean, it's, you know, my feelings on on having... um, Barnes and Volks up front on their own. I just I think they're too similar a player, um, and I just don't think the two of them are going to create enough chances, especially in this league where you do generally need a good four or five chances to even get close to scoring one, um, and you just don't 
you don't get that um, when you're not creating things. So when you've got um, a side that, that there's no wide men being able to put across <coughs> creativity in the centre of the park, you know, you're almost automatically, you know, knitting it up for, for a nil-nil draw. So whilst the first half performance certainly booked that trend and it looked like we were really going for it, again, we've been undone, I think, by just a lack of ruthlessness in front of goal. Yeah, uh, we might as well start with the team selection as well, James. I was very surprised to see uh, Andre Gray on the bench. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I thought, you know, it was ridiculous that that he wasn't um, wasn't in the lineup. You know, when you look at the way as well, we dominated the first half. I think if he's on the side, maybe we do score. You know, we've got the chance where um, the ball breaks loose and, and Barnes tries to run onto it, but the keeper gets there before him. Uh, you know, if you've got Andre Gray's pace, does he maybe get there first if it's on keeper and score? Quite possible. Um, I just feel like putting those two up front together is more like setting yourself up to try and get a draw than rather than setting up, setting up to win. And um, you know, a few of the chances we have are sort of counter attack, two quick chances, and you know, obviously no disrespect to Brooks or Barnes, but neither of them is anywhere near as quick as Andre, who uh, you know may have given us the opportunity to, to make a goal. And if we score in the first half, is it a different game? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's understandable to go to Everton and expect to play on the country side because they do like to have the ball and they've got a lot of pace up front with Lukaku who can hurt you if you commit to many players forward. So. But that's sort of looking at the game in isolation. If you just compare it to all the other away games we've had, it seems like we've had the same away game 16 times or however many away games we've played at this time. It's... Increasingly hard, Natalie, to come up with new things to say about them. Oh God, it really yeah, is, it, isn't it? It just feels like deja vu all the time. Um, I know. Coming on to the goals specifically, though, the, the first two Everton goals in particular, so, so soft. Yeah. Just uh, really, really poor goals to give away. They were poor goals to give away. And I think, on the whole, I thought Keane and me did a decent job keeping Lukaku quiet, not quiet, but certainly neutralising a lot of his, his um, options. So I think I think they did as well as they can, but ultimately he's an absolute world-class striker and I think yeah, he's going to leave them, I think, in the summer for a hell of a lot of money. And Keane Not and me are in... Money, yeah, yeah it, it, they're in their first Premier... Well, no, me's obviously in his second, but, but his first at centre-half. And, and, you know, these are new defenders to this league and they are young defenders and you know I'm not going to jump on their backs just because they were outplayed by an absolute world-class striker when for most of the game they did as well as they possibly could sometimes there's nothing you can do about that and all they'll do is learn um from the experience at the end of the day like you say we're not often going to um get the better of sides like Everton away from home they are just too strong they're too good a side yeah. um so in that instance in that instance all you can do is just hope to god that the, the players do their absolute best and i absolutely cannot fault the side um on on saturday i don't think there was a lack of desire i don't think there was a lack of effort i think there was a genuine commitment to go out there and try and be positive i think what probably let us down on saturday was as a just a lack of skill um against this very good everton side away from home as opposed to a lack of effort so you know what that's a really good positive thing you just want them to, to, to try and to just play the best of their ability and I think I genuinely think they did that on Saturday so that's that's a huge positive yeah I always think what what Sean Dyche always comes back to saying is he he said it a lot in his early days didn't he that maximum effort is minimum responsibility minimum, yeah. so yeah I, I see what you mean Everton are a very good side they've won 
six or seven in a row at home before playing us, haven't they? And we're in the bottom half, so they're expecting to beat us anyway. Yeah. Um, I just think that the second goal in particular, and I've only seen snaps of the game. Honestly, I watched the the highlights were on Sky Sports in a bar that I was in in Hamburg at like eleven o'clock. So I've I've seen them. <laughs> I didn't take it all in. But it seemed to me, James, that the second goal in particular, I don't think Ben Mee's really covered himself in glory there. And it's not the first time that he's kicked the ball into his own net and didn't really need to do it, I don't think. Uh, perhaps. I think he's, you know, he's a little bit People hate it when you criticise Ben Mee, but I don't think he's got, like, daft on goals in his um, locker. I think this is a bit harsh. I'll see what Birdie has to say. I think you're being a little harsh there, to be honest. We get told off for all the green all the time, so I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> oh, is that what you're calling it these days? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's a bit unlucky, but you know, just talking more about the wider point you make, at least. So, yeah, occasionally, I think Birdie has made a few mistakes, and people do seem to you know, not want to, to pick up on them. Um, I think particularly one early in the season, he had a, he was a fantastic game, but he, he was great, apart from the one ball where he sort of gave it away and then didn't stop him scoring, uh, which was like, hmm, that's, that's an idea. But uh, having said that, he, you know, he, he, he does just justify his selection, I'd say, more often than, than not. Uh, he just does have that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying drop him because he scored no goal. I just think if if he had maybe a bit more composure, he, yeah, he doesn't I, slice. The two I next. think sometimes he you maybe know, tries too hard. Um, yeah, I mean, block, blocking is what he does. He's tried to block it. He's just gone a bit wrong. But maybe he could have tried. I don't know. Yeah, maybe no, being hypercritical. I think yeah. He, obviously, he's he's got a lot of design. Maybe more than the average player. Um, you know, you see that with the way he, he blocks stuff and, and gets in the way of you know everything all the time. Uh, the, the one at the weekend, maybe you know he should have been leaving that to eat, and I think probably got it covered if he doesn't uh, try and do whatever it was he did. But it, I don't think it helps him either that obviously think Keane gets a touch on first, so um, it maybe isn't the ball coming in he expected yeah and, that's uh, true but it does take a massive deflection of Keane before it hits Bemi so it maybe catches two of them out of um, yeah. so it's really a comedy of our results together isn't it to be honest we probably should I've got to say yeah. I'm sorry the first, the first one was similar though the first one was like we sure we should have cleared the first one yeah I mean one of the two should block the second definitely you know if it clips two of you on the way in that's a yeah, I think, I think you two are being really harsh here you know really harsh I'm not entirely sure that there's an awful lot that either of them can do with that. I think it just it's one of those fluke goals that there's nothing wrong with the positioning. Ben Mee is supporting Heaton for the second goal. If it doesn't take if it doesn't take it a feel a lot of fluke goals that go in off Ben Mee. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, that's a different point in time. I haven't, I haven't watched the I'm, I'm actually I'm actually going to change tack of it. I think it's more Oh. Controversial. Oh, because, 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 I wasn't expecting. Well, it's the, it's the deflection of Keane that, that does me. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that point. I, I feel like may, maybe Keane could have blocked it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to really pick faults too much, but I'd say. Who's a rubbish goal to give away? Whoever's yeah, fault it was. Picking one of the two, I'd say Keane, but ultimately, one of the two should block it. Fair or just um, not block it. Do you, do 
do you think it was a penalty? I think it was some debate. I thought it was a clear penalty. Oh, God, it's a clear penalty. Some people were trying to tell me that it wasn't. I don't know if they were doing doing a banter, but yeah, <laughs> it seemed pretty obvious. Yeah, and it's a ridiculous penalty to give away as well. What the keeper was thinking of, it's I don't know. Is pushed him so wide. The defenders have done really well. I actually think that um, I was kind of frustrated a little bit, actually, and, and this may come as a little bit as, as a surprise, knowing that what a Vokes fan that I am, but I was actually quite frustrated with Vokes's positioning and his run I thought that Hendrick put in an absolutely superb ball for the chance and he just seemed to just hesitate for uh, or just seemed to be slow off the mark and that's what ended up pushing him too wide in the first place because he was just so slow it's like that Hendrick was thinking on a different um, and I think oh god this is going to sound really really harsh but to me I think Hendrick put in a Premier League players thinking cross and Bokes was a championship player reacting. I know we've, we've spoke about um, Barnes and Vokes maybe not being quite up to scratch for this yeah. league. Um, as I was really frustrated when I first was watching it. So I was like, oh, Vokes, why did you, like, why, you were so slow then. He seemed to stop, boy. Seemed God, to... I hope he's not listening. He's going to be devastated. I know, I know. I, he will. Knowing Shock. Biggest, biggest fan. Anyway. <laughs> no Christmas card for you this year. Yeah. Biggest fan absolutely crucifies him on the podcast. I'm not crucifying, I'm just expressing my frustration that I thought, I mean, actually, as it worked out very, very well, maybe it was his master plan that he, you know, but that's what pushed him wide <laughs> yeah, in the first place yeah. to win master the penalty. Master plan being really slow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but if he doesn't, if he doesn't take that opportunity, if he, so if the keeper doesn't bring him down, then again, it's a really waste opportunity. And it's going back to what we said at the beginning about not being ruthless at front of goal. It seems to me that whenever we do get the chances in into the box, we're just trying to walk it into the back of the net and everybody's passing. We, want, we have to do 25 passes in the box before somebody even bother trying to have a shot on goal and so that the chance for the penalty was one of those that did frustrate me a little bit as it turns out it actually worked very well for us and I think think their keeper's very lucky that they ended up with a win It's happened a few times I think that um, there just seems to be a bit of a lack of responsibility for playing that last pass Um, I think that's something that DeFore and Goodmanson brings to the team that they're willing to try things that's maybe not as safe um, I don't know if Dash tells them to play safe balls, but it seems to be a lot of the time we get about 30 yards out and we're just not really sure what to do from there. Um, we, we've talked about Everson just showing their quality at times, James, and the third goal was, was that in a nutshell, really, wasn't it? Lukaku just far too good for the Burnley defence. Yeah, he's just far too, far too good and far too strong. Um, I saw I a video. He's far too good because I've got twenty five quid on him to be the top scorer in the league, so I'm happy. Oh, I remember you predicted that at the beginning of the season, oh. didn't you? Our predictions were quite good. Actually, <laughs> all these people have uh, know nothing about football. My predictions have been really good. Half <laughs> that did predict Burnley to get relegated. Yeah, that's <laughs> that wow. one. Got you wrong with that one. Uh, but, but, no, I, I say, yeah, it shows his class. It shows his strength. Um, I saw a few tweets. Um, from a video that he did with Jamie Carragher. I'm not sure when the video actually went out, but uh, he, he talked about how he can beat any defender he wants by just putting his arm in front of them. Uh, demonstrated it twice on Carragher, and then he, that's what he goes and does it against Keane. I mean, he makes Keane look like uh, a lad playing Sunday League football, doesn't he, really? You know, he, he's got his back to him, just puts his arm against Keane's chest, and the ball comes in, he's turned him and scored. It's just, you know, and Michael Keane obviously been having a fantastic season. He's going to have a lot of top clubs sniffing around him in the summer. Uh, but he's been made to look like a schoolboy by Lukaku there. It just shows 
just how strong he is. And it is a bit of a strange one considering, you know, his career trajectory so far that he's been sort of shunted around a little bit. Um, and it, it does make you wonder whether it was maybe more down to sort of uh, attitude and application off the field rather than, you know, any of his abilities on the pitch because he's an absolutely fantastic goalscorer. Yeah, I think he's added a bit more to his game this season. I think um, Koeman's got him working a bit harder, definitely. Being more involved in build-up play, whereas previously he just sort of hung around the penalty area and waited for the ball to come. Um, but he's so physically strong. When he gets one-on-one with a defender, there's just not that much anyone can do about it. And as highly as a rate Keane, there's better players that Lukaku has done that to this season. He's going to keep doing it. Hopefully he keeps scoring loads of goals and earn me um, a lot of money. Overall then, Natalie, not too much we can be disappointed about. I mean, Everton very strong at home, like we said. We talked about Lukaku being in excellent form and it pretty much went to the script in the end. Burnley yeah, didn't have a did. lot of chances. The penalty, probably the only way we were going to score, really. Yeah, I think that's true. And, I, you know, like I say, I'm not getting too down about this. And actually, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really going to get too down now for the rest of the season. I feel... Because it feels obviously it, it would take a massive disaster now for us to go down, so it feels like we're pretty much safe. So, with that in mind, I feel like you pause then as if you said something really controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Is anyone going to pull me up on this? No, no, yeah, no, we're good. I'm going to slide the way through this one now. Um, no, but I think I feel like the season's done, not not to, to the extent, please don't. don't get this the wrong way listeners I don't feel like that's it now they're going to hang the boots for not doing any more but I feel like this team has done what they can do this season they have done what they intended to do they've done what they set out to do and that being stay in this league and they probably can't go much further I don't see them finishing much higher than sort of 15th 16th and I think that's absolutely fine I think that's a good great performance I think we all would have been quite happy with 17th if they'd have been 17th but I feel now in that they're just consolidating this season and maybe trying a few things and, and deciding what they want to do um, towards the end of the season who's going to stay who's going to go um, and I feel like we're going to spend the next five games now just seeing a team not coasting but a bit more relaxed maybe a bit braver in trying a few different players in different positions and just giving Deitch um, a warm-up to the summer business activity, to be honest. So I, I'm not really expecting us to have much more to talk about the rest of the season now. I think we'll we'll get probably... <laughs> You're really selling the podcast there, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Don't listen for the rest of the season. It's going to be crap. There's going to be nice. I didn't stuff. mean the podcast. I meant as fans. I mean, like, I, didn't, I didn't expect us to get... I don't expect us to get drawn into a massive relegation battle. I don't expect us to finish much higher. I feel like we'll probably win two more games. I think we'll get at six points. I do think we'll get... Um, another two wins, and I think that'll be fine. But I, I just don't—I don't expect us to have anything controversial to talk about or anything particularly groundbreaking. That's what I meant. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm wondering whether you watch the same team as us throughout this after a while. Like you mentioned, experimenting, and that's like the least Sean Dash thing. We've I didn't say he had do. done that. I'm saying he. No, you said he's going to. Team. No, I yeah. said I was expect to see, and I think he will. I, I think, think he will. will. I think yeah. I genuinely do, because I think that the safer they are, I think that we already saw it. You know, he started, albeit he only gave him eight minutes, but he's bringing uh, Danny Aggie on um, with 10 minutes to go. So why not give him a chance? You know, why not see what he can do? Um, you know, see if he wants to play Tarkovsky one time and see how he's going to 
um, fair with Ben Mee next season. You know, I do fully expect the closer we get and the, the more games we run out, I expect Dyche to experiment. I really do. I'll be very surprised. I think, I think, he'll, I think he'll play the same 11 every week. <laughs> the, the, the whole... I hope Barnes and Volts up front was an experiment. I hope we don't see that again. Yeah, I think I think the whole reason that we you know we almost had a panic a few weeks ago was that Dash just doesn't want to change anything. He just plays the same team again yeah. and again, and you know teams know how we set up now, and we're just going through the motions. We're not, you know, we dropped our strongest striker at the weekend. If you're looking at our strikers, and you know, I, I think Volks is bottom of the half Premier League class I think he has got it in and Barnes maybe not depends on sort of what game he's decided to play but you know if you look at our strikers Andre Gray he's clear Premier League class um, but we just don't play to his strengths and I think you know if we were uh, open to experimentation we may have seen Defoe play or you know Brady play a little bit more and maybe be looking to feed the ball through to Gray and try and take advantage of his abilities. But he did play but he did we, play Gray. He did play uh, Brady on, on Saturday. Yeah, but he dropped Gray, so Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. It's like you, you, I'm not saying that he's been doing it so far, and I still think that this Saturday was maybe one game a little bit too far away. We've only got what? Have we got five games left? And we've, we're eight points clear, and there's, it looks like it's going to be one of Swansea and Hull joining Borough and, and Sunderland down there. I, I genuinely think you, you, some of the, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with everything you're saying, James. Up to now, but those reasons and those justifications aren't there anymore. You know, he's got he's got the opportunity to to try something different. Defoe, I don't think it's a, a good argument. It's clear to me that Dyche doesn't like him. He thinks he's too lightweight. He just doesn't think he's a good fit. And he's obviously going to go at the end of the season. What I'm talking about here is him experimenting with the team that he's going to keep and those players that he's going to try and, and see if he can use them next season. That's what I'm talking about. He's not going to try playing Defoe now when it's clear he's going to go. It's, it's probably something that we need to, to revisit, isn't it? Because we're trying yeah. to sort of second guess. I mean, by the same logic, by the same logic, you could say Andre Gray and Michael Keane won't play again for the rest of the season because you know they're both going to leave in the summer. Uh, you know, maybe Tom Eaton's going to leave, so she'll play Nick Pope the rest of the way in. Right. Yeah, you joke, but he might do. I don't. Yeah, I'm not joking. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm being deadly serious. Yeah, well, he Andre, might. He might Andre, play Nick Pope. Yeah, Andre Gray's going to leave in the summer because he's you know he's not playing enough. He's not getting the service that he needs. You know, he's not being given the opportunity to be the best player he can be. Um, but that's I but think. that would be his choice. What I'm talking about here is Dyche's op- Dyche, Dyche's options. Not if if there's a player wanting to go away, that's fine. He might st- he might still want Andre to stay, and he has every intention of playing him next season. You're, you're putting a different spin on this at the point that the original that I was originally making. I'm talking here about the players that Dyche wants and the formation he wants to play next season, and those who he wants to see stay at the club or those that he wants to sell. Now, you know, we're not talking about. Defore wants to go away, or Andre, he maybe wants to go himself. I'm talking about Daisha's control okay, here, not okay. the players. Well, to, to look at the other aspect of what you said, then that we'll finish 15th, 16th, and, and no higher. Um, I mean, why not? The, the only thing that's going to hold us back is playing the same way we've played the last couple of games. You know, there's every opportunity there for us to go on, push on, win more games, and you know, finish as high as we can. I saw someone tweet the other day, you know, with a, a picture of a spread from one of the papers saying, you know, 17th would be a massive achievement. At this stage of the season, would 17th still be a massive achievement? I mean, I think you've got to reevaluate. No, no, it really wouldn't. It would be, uh, it would be a bad end to the season. Yeah, this, this is the point I made in my ESPN blog, which is available to read. 
on the ESPN FC website. Um, I've, I've been making this point pretty much since, I mean, about January, really, when it looked like we were going to be safe, um, that we need to look up, not down. The start of the season, yes, we'd have all taken 17, but we're, we're in a position now where we should finish above 17. No reason why we can't target it. Not saying if we don't finish 10th, it's a disaster. But we should be targeting and finishing the top half of the table. It's perfectly possible. We could win three of our last games. Quite possibly. We can beat West Brom at home. We can beat West Ham at home. And we might win somewhere. We could win at Palace or Bournemouth. That's not out of the question. So we could win three of the last games and we could get in the top half. I just think, I think James has got a point that it's been a long season. They've put a lot of effort in. There might be a bit of, we've pretty much got the job done now. And I don't see, I don't think Dice is going to do the experimentation that um, he talks about now. I'd like to see it. I hope he uses it as an opportunity to learn more about the players that he's got, to maybe make some decisions over players who maybe will be on the way out. I think George Boyd's out of contract, isn't he? There's no news on his future yet. So he's got to decide whether he's going to keep George Boyd around or maybe look for something a bit more progressive. Um, so he's got to make his mind up about these players. Um, James, what you were saying about outgoings, though, you seem absolutely certain that Keane and Gray are going. Do you think it's just going to be those two? Do you think Heaton's going to be tempted away? Obviously, Heaton's got the local links and he's the captain, so it's a bit different, but he's probably the next in line. I think there's going to be a lot of players interested. Uh, sorry, a lot of teams interested in, you know, a, a few players. Um Andre Gray, you know, people are going to be interested in. He's, a, he's showed in every league he's played in that he can score goals. I think Gray will. People um, talk about Keane's contracts a lot, but Gray's in the same situation. He's only going to have a year left, so if he doesn't want to sign yeah. a new deal, we have to sell him. And the thing is, we're not, we're not doing anything to make him want to stay. You know, I know obviously the fans are fucked in, but a lot of fans get on Gray's back quite easily. You know, there's been games at home that... You know, Andre misplaces a pass and there's like the, the usual sort of moans and groans coming from yeah, yeah. certain bits. There's a ball stands. up to him from 60 yards away and he doesn't control it perfectly. Yeah, and you're Andre Gray and his rubbish first touch. Ruh, 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 ruh. But he's been given absolutely happy, nothing all game. You know, he's playing very isolated role. He's running the channels. And the thing is, when you've got a talent like Andre Gray, you shouldn't be talking about how well he ran the channels. You know, he's not Ian Thomas Moore. With no disrespect to Ian Thomas Moore at all, but you, you're not comparing. Another potential listener that we slagged. Oh, blimey! No, I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> you know, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I agree. It, I think we wasted Andre yeah. this season. He wasn't a natural goal scorer, but you look at Andre. You look at the goals he scored. You look at Sunderland at home. All the goals were a similar sort of thing. You're letting him play off the defender, take the ball through, and score. And that that's what he does so well. And you need to give him the ball in the middle of the park. Maybe in the championship we got away with it a bit more because where the defence were, you know, the defenders weren't as good, you know, he had the time to come in from the you know, come in from the wing sort of area and, and still score. Whereas in the Premier League, a lot of these defenders, they may have made the mistake to, to let him through, but they're going to get back and cover it off and he's not going to get the opportunity to bring the ball in and, and shoot. You know, he's not got the same time he had at the championship level. So we need to be playing the ball to him where he's most dangerous. And, you know, people complain about his first touch, but to me, he shouldn't be giving Andre the ball in a position where he needs to take a first touch. 
just get it to him where he can, you know, latch onto it and shoot and not think about it. Because that's the kind of player he is. He's, he's not like Danny Ings was for us, where Danny Ings would miss a chance and he'd sort of slowly bring himself back to the halfway line. Grimm misses a chance, he forgets about it. The next time he goes for a goal, it's like he's started fresh. And that's what's great about him. But the problem is, we don't give him enough opportunities to score at this level. And, you know, that's down to how we've, we've set up and the way we play. And, you know, we saw last season, Forks and Graves, such a great partnership. And this season, we barely used it. And, you know, that's, that's why when it comes to it, if teams are coming in for him in the summer, is he going to want to stay here and, you know, maybe score a handful of goals again next season, but never really get the service he needs to, to really push on as a player and get into double figures at the Premier League level? Probably not. And there's a lot of mid-table clubs in the Premier League who will play to his strengths, and he could score, you know, 15, he could even score 20 goals if he gets the right service. He's, you know, he, he has that ability to, ability to score um, as long as he's, you know, getting service all game. And it's just something we don't provide to him. And obviously, Michael Keane, there's going to be a lot of interest and, you know, there's going to be interest from much, much bigger teams than those. And obviously, he was at Man United uh, the other day watching it in in one of the director's seats, um, you know, sat in front of Juan Mata. So you've got to think that Man United might be interested in taking him back. And it is going to take a big offer to take him away, but I think some of the money people talk about is maybe a bit too much because he has only got one year left on his contract. He could just sit it out and people could get him for free after a year. Um, so unless there's sort of a really big, like four or five teams going for him and it creates a real bidding war, um, you know, I think we've maybe got to be a bit more realistic and 30 million might be pushing it. 2025, yes, if, you know, the big sides feel like they need him right now and can't wait. But to be talking like 35, 40 million is with, with 12 months left in his deal, unless he does us a massive favour and signs a new contract with, yeah. you know, the, the understanding we're going to sell him, then it might be difficult to sort of command that kind of money. Yeah. Um, People talk about a bidding war for Keane. I'd I don't think it works like that, really. I think teams decide what they're willing to go to, and then that's it. I don't think if City and United both won him, they're going to start bidding each other. I don't think that's really how football transfers work. Yeah, and he's as good as Michael Keane is. Is he good enough to, you know, start throwing your checkbook around? Just I don't know. To, just, I mean, to, like, just to beat I, another I always to compare him to John Stones, but. Like City paid fifty million for John Stones. He had a long term contract. I think Keane's a better player than John Stones. So I understand why people are saying thirty five, forty million, because Stones is a comparison for me. Yeah, but obviously in different contract situations, aren't they as well? And yeah. you know, if Man United won him on City but it, it's him, different when you buy from a smaller club yeah, just I, I think both teams are gonna have you know, any team that's interesting is gonna have set a limit of what they'd be willing to spend. Um you know, he's, he's not a striker, so I think when you're not a striker or an attacking midfielder, the way like a bidding wall works is a little bit different because, you know, if you take him from another, if another team get him and you don't, then, you know, you might be annoyed you've missed out on him. But he's not, you know, he's, it's not the same as if you miss out on a, a 20, 25 goal scorer, who, you know, are very, very rare. I think, you know, good centre backs are hard to. You know, easy to find them, the exception forwards. Not to say, obviously, he's, he's not a great player and deserves to play for one of the top two or three sides because he is. But, you know, you've seen teams win the Premier League with pretty 
dire centre half pairings. So it shows that it's not really the be all and end all. Whereas having you know quality midfielders and strikers just tend to be a real differentiator for teams. Um, and on Tam Heaton, I think you know there'll be teams that are interested. Look at Everton; their goalkeeping options are pretty poor. Uh, yeah. So I'd, ex- I'd expect them to be interested, but it, I think it is a more difficult one. Sent away, you know, club captain. He's got the, the links to the club, um, you know, with his family. Uh, I think he's you know very settled here. He, he's seen in the past that you know obviously he was at Man United as a, a youngster. And he, he never really got into the team. Sort of travel with them was always on the fringes. Um, so maybe part of him will want to stay at a club where he's, you know, undisputed number one and it's not going to change. I mean, Cracky, Tommy didn't have to start throwing the ball in his own net one until he's his spot at Burnley. He's, you know, he's established himself and he's... He could be Burnley's to... number one for pretty much as long as his legs last. I think as well, Everton Everton have changed their... Um, uh, uh, what's it called, their, their attention to Joe Hart now, haven't they, as well? They're going in for him rather than he's, which is good news for us. At the moment, the only team that probably would come in for Heaton would be Everton and like I said they're going for Joe Hart Yeah um, on, on Boyd then Natalie I don't think we've done have we done Boyd's contracts on the podcast No I don't think we every week so we, we should probably touch on it his contract is up to the end of the season um, for me I think Boyd represents sort of the end of this generation of the club of being the sort of um Yo-yo type club where you go down and yeah. come back up. If we want to be established, I think Boyd's the sort of player that we could improve. There was a report, wasn't it, that we'd offered him a year and he wants two, so similar to Joey Barnes Barton. this season, yeah. Uh, ask you, what, what's your take on it? Um, is it, to be is honest... It useful to have around as a squad player? Yeah, I, I, I genuinely don't mind if, if he goes and I don't mind if he stays. I, I, I mean, maybe that's not um, a great reflection on his impact this season. I've not particularly hated him as much as many have this season. Um, although saying that, I don't, I don't think, think anyone he's would have noticed key. him going before no. he scored the one I think and then what, everyone was like, give him a 10-year contract. <laughs> yeah. I think the main thing for me with some of these squad players is that it's all very well saying that we need to upgrade on a lot of these players. But as it stands at the moment, you're looking at potentially needing to buy a good six or seven players in just to yeah. get the squad to where we want it to be. And realistically, we can't do that. Um, we don't have a lot of right-sided players at all. We've essentially got Good Munson, who just seems to be injured a lot, and Boyd, that's it. So in that sense, I feel that unless you're going to spend money on two very good um, right-sided players, uh, midfielders, one of uh, to cover and obviously have three in there with with Good Munson. Then I I don't see how you can get rid of Boyd because if you get rid of him, you are going to have to spend three four million bringing in a, a squad cover player. I think that I think we've got a potential. I said this last week. We've got potentially a midfield problem um, in that we haven't got the strength in depth that we used to have. But potential problem, yeah. <laughs> to, to link back to the previous podcast, but we have we haven't got the strength in depth. We haven't got um, cover if Joy goes um, and Marnie doesn't get back relatively quickly. We've got central midfield really weak. We've essentially got Westwood and um, Hendrick. Um, we've got um, we've got what Brady. Assuming Defoe goes, Barton goes. We've essentially just got Brady um, and Good Munson. That's it. we've we've really got just like. A starting midfield and if we get any injuries or suspensions we've got zero cover um, so in that sense yeah, that probably the counter argument then is that it frees up squad places and wages and 
it of gives you more manoeuvrability. But you're right, you can't you can't be going you can't out and buying seven, eight players no. in one summer. It's no, just exactly. it's not gonna happen. I don't expect us to I don't expect us to buy more than say four. I think four quality players will be massive for us. If you if you're spending eight to ten million on all of them, um, which is the standard that we need to bring in to improve that squad to try and stay in for another season. Um, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I think you can afford to offer. See, but then is that enough to offer him a two-year deal? Yeah, I think. I think it depends on who he's able to bring in. But um, I, I genuinely wouldn't wouldn't mind either way whether we keep Boyd or, or or get rid of him. But I do think we need to have one eye on on cover here. I think we need to be very very. Um, careful <laughs> because of the midfield central problem exactly. right? <laughs> uh, one thing I was just going to pick up on as well what we were talking about before what, what Birdie was, was talking about at length about the um, the issues around Heat and Keane and, and Gray all going around I know obviously Spurs are really keen on, on taking Gray down to White Hart Lane and things like that the only thing I think that's maybe going in our favour for these is the really inflated price of English players at the moment now you know, again, Kuman wants Michael Keane apparently. Um, but if we want 28, 30 million for Michael Keane, Kuman can easily go into Europe and get a centre half that is, is who is as good as uh, as Keane and pay uh, maybe half the price or maybe a third of the price of what Keane's going to cost. Same with Gray. English players are very, very expensive, and whilst that has scuppered us in the past in our restrictions in the transfer market that might actually work in our favour this time in that um, players if they do want heat and keen or grey are going to have to pay over market odds for them because they're English players Yeah I think we've done quite well on fees mostly in recent years to be fair so I'm sure if these lads do go at the end of the season that we will get fair prices trust the lads in the boardroom the lads in the boardroom I trust to have boardroom negotiators to get good prices um, we should probably move the podcast on a bit shall we do Tweet of the Week over to Natalie for Tweet of the Week indeed this week that was a long pause uh, it was just because and our listeners will get a little insight into just how organised I am you came to me with a little bit well, of surprise there and I wasn't <laughs> I didn't have it ready and I went oh bleep um, I better find that very quickly so apologies listeners for that small uh, delay there but this week's tweet of the week we keeps on an Easter theme and happy Easter to all of our listeners there. See, seamless link. Um, and it comes from Matty Bush, who tweeted us to say another brackets expected Burnley defeat away from home. But I won £96.96 on a five of fourfold acre. <laughs> I have much chocolate. So that does make me giggle, Matty. I think it was uh, a good summary in that, yes, we won, we lost away from home, but all is well with the world when you have chocolate and an accumulator that comes in. So well done, Matty. That won our Tweet of the Week. So that was very fair. Powers let me down on my fivefold for 100 and odd quid. So they're going on the list. Oh Naughty Bristol Palace. Um <laughs> James, while we're rattling through features, quickly inform us of what's been going on at Burton Albion in this phenomenally popular section of the podcast. What's it called this week? It's always called County Corner. Because, <laughs> because the official title. It's the official title. We'll see Michael Partley on the uh, on the bench this week for Burton today. I, I can't remember who the game has gone now. Uh, it feels like the longest weekend in history. Um, but Diane's diversion first little meandering out of County Corner he scored again sensational uh, 
what, what more can we say? Showing abilities that I feel like we never really got to see at uh, more. Uh, that is maybe going for all three of them so far yeah, since this segment started. Um, obviously, Marvin's mentioned not really, not really much going on for Marvin at the moment. Which is disappointing because for a little while he was the driving force of this feature. Uh, so no, no, hopefully he seems to be he's... taking it in turns, don't they? Like one of them does well for a bit, then somebody takes a little slack, and it's, uh, it's very, very... It's talk about every week. It's good either sharing it out. It's very polite as well, I feel, because, you know, it is a bit of a side segment, so they're making sure we don't go too long with this feature. Keep it nice and short. So, cheers, guys. <laughs> I want to take the hint. That's me. <laughs> um, coming up next, uh, Manchester United visitors to Turf Moor. Um, one of the podcasts I missed recently, Natalie describes United as being horribly out of form. I think they're now 23 on being in the league. I, yeah, I, meant, Chelsea, I didn't mean horribly Chelsea, out of Chelsea, form. Chelsea, Chelsea, quite good. No, I didn't mean I didn't mean it in the sense. I saw that when you said that on our show notes. I was like, I didn't. They've been drawing too many games. Exactly. It was like, the, it was. I think it's been described as the worst bet undefeated run ever. And I think that's where <laughs> I, was, I was coming from and just got my wording all wrong. But yeah, it's, it was uncharacteristically very middling average wasn't it for a United side who were trying to find their feet in this league and were drawing too many games and weren't scoring any goals and we just seemed to be lacking confidence and I think that's to give me an opportunity to correct myself that's kind of where I was coming from with that you're welcome <laughs> thank you Jamie um, but I have to say up until the Chelsea game I was I was genuinely feeling very upbeat about United at Turf and I was thinking we could definitely minimum we could expect from that game was a point and then they seemed to completely take Chelsea apart at the weekend and now I'm not feeling as warm and fuzzy as I did before about this game but you know what it's United are concentrating they've openly uh, said themselves they concentrate on the Europa League they see that as their opportunity for silverware and for um Champions League next season they're not going to really care about Burnley away I think it's very much could end up being a game of, of two sides with, with not that much really to play for so there is absolutely no reason why we can't go all out there and expect to win that game how's that for positivity I think it's United <laughs> it's not the United of old we've beaten some yeah, of the sides horribly out of form. <laughs> they're horribly out of form you know they no no I you know, like we we managed to, you know, they, they managed to beat Chelsea, but it was at home. So you know, like we, God, we drew with Chelsea at home. You know, it's and we're supposed to be well not good as, as United. So I think uh, no, I think I genuinely, I'm genuinely feeling quite positive about it. I think the minimum we could expect is, is a point, but I'd really love us to go out there and try and win. I think it'd be a fantastic way to end off um, a really really good season, one where we've particularly outshone at home to to beat United in to, you know in the, the closing stages of. A, some home fixtures at Turf Moor would be, I think, a very fitting end to a very good season and one that would send the fans off very happy. That, that middle section just then, bro, has made it sound a lot like we might as well end the season now. There's no purpose to it. Didn't really, did like, You know, United won't be that bothered if someone comes into Burnley. We won't be that bothered. Like, That's a good thing. Would you rather it... in a relegation scrap? No, no, you're just, you're just making it sound like we may as well just like put our feet up, like. Obviously, that's not what I intended, Birdie. God, if we're going to start. With, God. Yeah, I was no. I, I guess my my attitude in this podcast and the way that I'm coming at this season is that we have been given and the, our our hard work and our 
results this season is, have given us a luxury of a stress-free end of the season. So that's where I was coming from when I was talking about experimenting. That's where I was coming from about not playing with any fear and not fear United. They've not got um, a lot of league... Uh, they've not got much to play for in the league either. So that's why I was, you know, it's a positive thing. It's a good thing that we've got no stress. We can go out there and play with no fear. And why can't we beat United at home? I think we can. I'm going to be uber positive. Well, that's what I, you, you say that. But that's how they've been playing for 23 games. If they haven't had that spark, that's the biggest criticism that they've had of this United side is that they've, they've lost a bit of their mojo and they've lost a little bit of that United. Um, dynamic football that they've been playing, especially well, at home, they haven't had I, that. I wouldn't say that to Mourinho after that post-match interview the other week, where yeah, <laughs> after well, the last game, yeah, I can't really see me told, the, told the report, told the report that the way basically it was wrong. Well, you know what? I wouldn't be scared if Jose Mourinho came into my room right now and asked me facts. I would tell that to him to his face. If you're listening, Jose, please get in touch. Come on, come on, come on, I dare I'll you. Cast that Double day. Or, <laughs> or you can tweet us, Jose. <laughs> no, never, not that. Um, James, I suppose the, the flip side to what Natalie's saying is that they do seem to be finding a, a bit more of a groove. They have just beaten Chelsea and might be getting through in Europe, which could be a bit of a positive boost. They obviously think they can still get top four as well. And even though Man United aren't the Man United of the past, they're still not accustomed to just letting teams like Burnley beat them. What are you expecting from the game? I think it'll be a really tough game. Um, yeah, it'll be like any game where one of the really big sides comes to the table. You know, they've got a lot of star power. Um, you know, maybe they've not got it together yet, really, since Ferguson left. But you know, given time, uh, I think undoubtedly Josie will turn him into a, a pretty. Pretty strong side. He, he, you know, he's, he's not a loser, is he? He's a, a guy who always wants to win. Um, I don't think there's been any game that Mourinho or ever have gone into and thought, I'm, I'm happy for a draw. Uh, you know, he's only coming to the turf to take all three points, there's no doubt about it. Um, and we're going to have to be on, on top form. And, you know, I think if we, we play the line that we did on Saturday, I, I think we find it difficult to, to create chances. Um, you know, for me, we, we need to attack the game and, you know, we could say we're not going to get relegated, fair enough, let's, you know, call it a day, let's, you know, change things up, not really play uh, attacking football, maybe try a different style. But really, I think we should be playing our best players, playing to our best player strengths and, you know, see what we can do. There's a few games left here and, you know, anyone at the turf is beatable. I think we can beat anyone um, at home. Uh, away, obviously it's more difficult. But at home, we've got to go for, got to go for every point we can get, and, and just see how strongly we can finish. Because ultimately, the confidence carries over to the players who are going to be in next yeah, season. Definitely. And also, I think it, it does make a difference if you finish the eleventh and twelfth. I think to then sell the club to someone, it's much easier to say we're not going to be in a relegation battle. And if you finish 16, 17, I think the momentum does carry over into the next season as well. I'd love to see, tell you what I'd love to see, I'd love to see DeFore, Brady and Gray all in the same starting lineup because I think those three have got real potential to cause a bit of chaos in this league. And I think it's just quite fun a, to watch us field an attacking lineup. Just take a quick look out your window, Jamie, and can you see a pig fly? I can't because it's dark, mate. I can't see anything at the minute. <laughs> These sounds put the landing lights in the future, don't we? But 
uh, <laughs> hopefully, but I've, I've, I'd love to see that as well. But I think yeah, the likelihood is probably not dissimilar to uh, to uh, stumbling across a bag on the way to work in the morning that's got ten million quid in it. <laughs> well, hopefully, Natalie's right, and when she was talking about experimentation, um, that will be accurate. Um, we'll round off with predictions, but before then. Regular listeners will have noticed that there's been a couple of changes recently. I've not been doing the podcast every week. We've had rotating hosts, Natalie, James and Kev have all had a go. Um, And that's partly because I'm going to be leaving the podcast at the end of the season. I'm going to have a few more podcasts. Um, Obviously, I've been involved with none and ever since the start. And I'm sure I'll be a listener and a fan thereafter. But essentially, I think I've just run out of juice a little bit. I want to go and do other things and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who will be glad to see the back of me although I've got some fans out there I know um, Mr Brommers is, <laughs> is a fan uh, Natalie just reassure everyone though that everything's going to carry on fine without me I will try without crying <laughs> <myself>. um, <laughs> indeed obviously um, it's really sad news for us at None and Ever obviously Jamie's been with the the podcast and it, before it was a podcast when we had the blog um, and the website gosh nine years now is it nine, yeah it's nine years isn't it seven oh, seven years surely can we just just missed out there we need the honour mention for the live blog which were and the live blog indeed and a live it is. Well, just goes to show, I mean, Jamie was there at the very beginning and he's committed so much of his time on behalf of all of us. We do thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. Um, the None and Ever podcast will carry on. We will be myself and James and Kevin and Adam. And we will do everything that we can to keep the podcast running to the same chaotic, wonderful brand that you've all become um, (laughs) used to and know and love. Um, And thanks to our fantastic Kickstarter backers as well. We have the capability to make some great improvements next season and to do the live event, which Jamie's going to host for us and some summer podcasts as well. So rest assured, we're not going anywhere. We're just obviously losing our anchor, but we are looking forward to the future positively. And and once again, Jamie, thank you so much, but we're going to miss you terribly no worries i don't know about anchor maybe it's something that sounds a bit like anchor <laughs> for some others um I the live event by the way is as Natalie was saying that's may 6th after the west the west brom game that's um half six is it at the turf you can get your tickets for that the tickets are free or you can pay a few quid for vip which gets you a special gift and priority seating down the front and various other bits and bobs Hoping to have a special guest to be confirmed, um, and places are limited, and I think we've already got rid of quite a few. So if you are thinking of coming, um, make your mind up, and make sure you get yourself down there. It'll be one of the last podcasts I do. It's going to be a live one. I'm excited. Um, round off with predictions, though. Kevin's not with us this week, and it can only be because I'm hunting him down at the top of the leaderboard. I don't have the spreadsheet in front of me because my laptop's broken and I'm doing it off my phone. But I think the gap's down to something like eight, nine points now. I predicted a 3-1 defeat at Everton, so go me. That's a couple right recently. I'm on a roll. James, I think you were wrong again because you keep predicting Burnley to get results when they lose. Um, and that's why I assume you're just still last, right? 
Yeah, but I did get a point this week. I did. I went with the reverse psychology. Yeah, and but it backfired. I didn't actually. I would have happily not got a point in the predictions league to get a point, you know, a point or three away from home. But my sacrifice wasn't rewarded. I'm afraid. But I think I'm now on five points. And five the, whole points. Yeah. Awesome. It's not I mean, good. I've got six from the last two, three games. All right. Shut up. Three games. When are you leaving again? Sorry, you're not gone already. <laughs> not soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> we'll round off with predictions then. James gives us a prediction for Burnley v Manjada at Surf on Super Sunday. Super duper Sunday. I think there's going to be a few, a few goals in the game. Three goals in the game, to be exact. Continually stick by predicting us to win because I just, I just feel wrong. At some point you're going to be serious. right, surely. Exactly, you know, even the broken <laughs> clock tends to that time part of day, so... Um, <sighs> Um, you know, You've got to be worried that Natalie's going to catch you up. I mean, she got a whole point. <laughs> hey, <laughs> leave me alone. The only thing I'm worried about is maybe this bit of reverse psychology going on. Here. My constant positivity is actually the reason we're not winning. Oh. Well, um, anyway, Andre Grayson will score yeah. both goals. So. But not a hat trick. Not the Andre Grayson. Not, not a hat trick because he'll probably get taken off after 60 minutes. So. We might not get in the team to start with. Yeah, we might not get in the team. Well, it didn't work at Everton, but it did work work against Stoke. So I'm going to stick with it. I said I would bring it back till the end of the season. I'm going to do. I'm going to help our boys get over the line. I've got a really bad feeling about this. (laughs) Jamie, you're going to miss this so much. I might just record that and just text it you every week when you miss it. Well, he said he's still listening, so he'll probably just skip that bit when he listens. Yeah, I've I've said I'm still going to listen. Yeah, he's Ooh. not, is he? Well, actually, that's true. <laughs> because you did tweet. Uh, I'm gonna have to listen to see what you say about me when I'm gone. Yeah, should Dave have his own section? Nothing we've not said like, to you first, Jamie. <laughs> can tell Jamie didn't listen last week because Dave's diversion himself in. I've been on holiday, man. I've been on holiday. It isn't a thing. And can I just say, we have also had listener feedback in our inbox saying that it's an awful feature and we should bin it. So I think we one, need to listen to people. Uh, one, as opposed to the like <laughs> 10 people who eagerly await Cat's Corner every week. Some people yeah. share my opinion. Anyway, yes, can I do my prediction? Quite, quite a majority <laughs> all will be featured. Thanks yeah, to Michael Bowler telling us how much you hate Kylie Corner. Natalie, do your prediction anyway, and we can wrap this I up. I do have a terrible feeling about this. And oh I think God. that United are, are going to be glowing from positivity from turning over Chelsea and they're going to come with that United swagger back. And I think that we're going to get beat. Uh, 2-1. And I'm going to go for a very exciting goalless draw, nil-nil. So thanks to Natalie James for joining me. I think Kevin's going to edit. Rick's already sent us in some artwork, good artwork, as always, from Rick. You can always get in touch with us at the podcast. You can email podcast at net or tweet us at net. Tell us what you think of Kylie Corner. I'd love to get more feedback on this feature from the listeners. Fantastic feature. Um, Fantastic feature from the man whose feature it is, so he's not biased. <laughs> well, I think we'll wrap it up there for this week. I've been Jamie Smith, and this has been the Non and Ever podcast. Goodbye. Well, this is going to be really di- difficult for Kev because uh, the recording kept like stopping, so I kept having to like click the button immediately. So he's going to have like 10 files, I think, that word has gone. Why do you always have these disasters when you record, Bird, eh? (laughs) I I choose
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.